0: Hey friends, happy Friday and welcome back to the Embody podcast. If you guys are loving what you're hearing on the show, I would really appreciate it. If you slid over to iTunes, dropped a five-star rating, a written review, and just let me know what you are loving about the show. Those ratings and reviews help get the show into more ears and more souls across the world. Today on the Embody Podcast. It is a part two episode from Sunday's release, in which my best friend Jessica DePazzi interviewed me on my perspective of shadow work from a depth psychological perspective and a Jungian perspective. And today, I am pleased to offer you guys an interview that I did with Jess, exploring her perspective and her interpretations and the way that she uses and incorporates shadow work into her life with the use of gene keys and that laced in with astrological explorations. And so I hope you guys enjoy this episode. And you will hear throughout the episode, we talk about our collaborative project that is coming up in January 2022 called the Transformation Collective. I will let you guys uh, listen to the episode to hear more about that, but if you're interested in exploring more details, you can head to the link in the show notes to find all of the details about the Transformation Collective and to explore Jessica's work in particular. I hope you guys enjoy this episode. I certainly did, and without further ado, on to the show. Just thank you for taking the time and space to continue on this jam session
1: Oh, you're welcome, Dr. D. I loved that conversation we had prior to Me this. Too. I mean, it, it was, I feel like it was months ago. I don't think it was even that long, but it was such a fun conversation because as long as you and I have had, had our friendship and been friends, we hadn't ever really dived into Shadow work like that together and just really jived. And I think part of it is because we work through so much of it with clients and with ourselves. That when you and I connect, we're like, let's just go walk the dogs and have some fun. <laughs> so that was great. We are the underworld sisters. So yes. welcome to hell, and <laughs> we're gonna show you around. It's gonna be great.
0: <laughs> yes. So, so Jess, what from the perspective that you take? How do you I don't want to get into like definitions and get all conceptual here, but like just to kind of have a foundation and then we can start pulling on threads and keep descending. How would you define the shadow, shadow work from your perspective?
1: Yeah, well, we did such a good job in the first one defining what shadow work really is from an intellectual perspective. So I would say from a feeling perspective, when you first start doing shadow work, it's like realizing that you've been wearing your underwear on the outside of your clothes your whole life. Like, <laughs> like people have seen your shadows, you've just been walking around with them. And then all of a sudden you look in the mirror, you're like, oh God, this has been happening. And it can feel shameful and embarrassing. And sometimes there's projection happening, like blaming people around you for keeping you in that state. Um, but as you continue to do the work, you realize what ownership you've had around co-creating your own existence. You know, I, it could be that you were enabling somebody to be their worst version of themselves and therefore you were being your worst version of yourself. So it's a lot of gentle inquiry into the parts of yourself that you either didn't realize existed, the underwear on the outside, or you saw your underwear on the outside of your pants. And you were like, this is fine. I'm just going to deal with this. Maybe nobody notices. The reality is everyone sees that stuff. So yeah, I would say from a human perspective, it's, it kind of
0: feels like that. Yeah. I think that's an apt metaphor. Like the, the emotions that I find really, I mean, it's really personal to everybody, right? But that emotion of embarrassment of Mm -hmm. this part of you that is part of you and that shame, badness that comes up when you're like circling around those unconscious parts, man, those things are such hard experiences to accept. You can't really, quote unquote, do shadow work without a form of acceptance, Mm -hmm. right? Like you can't just go through it and be in denial. So how do you navigate that from your lens?
1: From my personal experience, finding frameworks for going through that process was really helpful. So Mm -hmm. one of the most important frameworks, one of the ones that felt really alive to me, and there are many ways you can do this work. So Mm -hmm. this is just the one that felt best for me was understanding the transformation process. The first one is feeling that sense of, of dissonance, like something is wrong you know, you just Mm -hmm. like this underlying Charlie Brown cloud that's following you around and your relationships aren't quite aligning. You're not really liking your job. It shows up as just life feels weird right now. And Mm -hmm. if you ignore that feeling long enough, those vibrations that aren't resonating with your potentially a leveling up of your consciousness, like you're becoming more awake to the things that aren't aligning in your life. Mm -hmm. If you let that build and build You get into that second phase of transformation, which is the feedback phase and feedback, meaning like if you've gone to a a live performance and they're setting up the mics and the frequency of one mic is too close to a frequency of another mic, they're not aligning. And so they create that really loud buildup of noise.
0: Mm -hmm. You know, it's like
1: that noise. That is what a lot of us need to realize there's some work that needs to happen. So that could be your relationship explodes, like something really big happens Mm -hmm. or you, something huge happens at work or your kids are really in distress. Like you're realizing, okay, I cannot ignore this anymore. And Mm -hmm. I think that just understanding those first two steps was really important for me to know that This is a part of transformation. It's good. And the more that we can get in tune with that first step of dissonance, the less we need to feel that feedback.
0: But at the beginning, feedback is totally normal, right? Yeah. I'm curious, as I listen to you kind of break that down, that dissonance feels as if your perception of your outer environment is starting to kind of get shaken up a little bit. Mm -hmm. Is that like the the examples that you use for like relationships, jobs, kids, it is an outside in, inside out process, right? But that dissonance feels like kind of that perception of the world around you is, is kind of taking you down and in.
1: Yeah. I had alluded to a somewhat confusing term there around like raising your consciousness, but yeah, if we were to break that down, it's like Inner contentment meeting outer fulfillment. And if those two frequencies aren't aligning, then you start to build and build, and something needs to come out and show you that this is not working anymore. It's that cosmic bitch slap. What's really cool is that so Gene Keys works with astrology in a way. And um, when we feel into the different energies of each month, like each month has the sun is in a different sign. And so collectively we can feel the dissonance around, let's say in what, what are we in November right now, we're in this, the fields of Scorpio, which has us very naturally diving into the depths and really looking at the things beyond the veil, the things that have been trying to be kept hidden. And so it can feel like a dark month. It's cool to know that because if you're just solo and you're not aware of the energies that are happening in the collective around the world, it can feel really lonely. You know? So that's why I like working with this this method is because it gives you a bit of a box to work within instead of like staring at a blank piece of paper and thinking I need to change everything right now. It can help you really narrow down what to focus on. So another example of doing shadow work with astrology in that kind of realm is today, actually, November 19th, when we're recording this, we have the full moon in Taurus. And so the moon represents our emotions. And Being in Taurus, Taurus represents the feeling of home and groundedness and, and comfort and sensuality. And so if you feel like you're being, you're ungrounded or like you have a lack of sensuality or a lack of gratitude around the nature around your, or lack of gratitude around your body, Taurus is really about environment and the closest environment you have to yourself is your physical body it's a really great indicator that I can start journaling on these things instead of thinking like, I need to quit my job. I need to leave my husband, you know, all of that
0: stuff. It can really help you refine some of these things. I want to pull some strings there because the moon was in Taurus when I was born, the Taurus moon. What does that mean anything?
1: Yes, that, I'm like, also happens? a Taurus moon. So it means that like right now you and I are probably feeling really comfortable in this energy because we were born with it. We've been doing the work and collectively people are feeling into what it feels like to be comfortable in their nest, you know, and, mm-hmm. and redecorating the home and, um, being really chill too, mm-hmm. you know? So this is kind of an energy for us that we're comfortable in, whereas people that have a moon in different places and they haven't focused on that energy. Like, what do I emotionally feel like in all of those themes that I just mentioned, then there's some more work to be done there, which is also really exciting to, to discover.
0: Yeah. So something that I kind of want to just like kind of pop in here is the transformation collective that we are are putting out next year. And we are going to be kind of tracking these cosmic energies throughout the year. And then we're going to be incorporating my version of shadow work, your version of shadow work. And then we have Jen coming in with her brilliance. What do you see your contribution for each month being in this collective that we're going to take off?
1: A big part of it is defining it just like I did with this moon and Taurus. So a lot of times when somebody comes into astrology, there's a lot, you know, you pull up your natal chart and there's lines everywhere and planets Stupid. and stars, right? <laughs> and it's like, okay, what do I do with this information? And so one of the most simple, but most effective ways to work with the energies that are coming in naturally is just to focus on the sun sign. So every month, more or less will have its own type of energy. So with Capricorn in January, it's no, it's no mistake that we focus on long-term goals. Like that's all Capricorn energy. And so we can ignore it. You know, that's one side of the spectrum, which you're like, you know, New Year's resolutions are bullshit and all of that. And you should set goals all year. That's great. But um, there is some really natural energy that's coming in that's trying to renew us. You know, it's Mm -hmm. coming into the end of winter, like it works with seasons in that way that we've gone through this purification period at the end of the year. And then we're now spring is just around the corner. And in order to prepare for that, let's think about, you know, um, back in the days when we used to farm more frequently, like everyone had to figure out a food source rather than going to the grocery store we would need to plan, okay, what am I going to put there? What do I want to eat this year? Um, How am I going to sustain myself in a long-term way? Because many places in the world, you can't farm all year, you know? So it's just like Mm -hmm. built into our DNA that we have to plan for these things. It's not a new construct. Now, on the other side of that spectrum, when we really tune into or buy into new year's resolutions, the meme there is that it, fizzles out. You know, you just set them in January and most of us try to accomplish everything in January. Then we forget about long-term goals and then we just try to figure out life for the rest of the year. So that's important because it's really planting the seeds of January. And then in February, um, the next natural step is then tuning into your intuition. So we're learning all about intuition. Um, you're going to be talking about dream work, some of the archetypes that show up in this very fuzzy and foggy realm of, of, um, altered states, whether that's Mm -hmm. just being asleep or plant medicines or whatever we Mm -hmm. decide to dive into. And that's an important next step to long-term planning, because then you can reflect back on those goals and feel into how am I going to accomplish this? Is this something that I really want? Um, Mm -hmm. And what is my unconscious showing me around that, which is where you really come in. So yeah, I would say my role throughout the transformation collective is to set the container for what themes we're going to be working with. Yeah. And
0: um using some
1: of the tools that I found to be really helpful
0: for me. With each month on the website, we have listed out the general theme based on the cosmological energy of the month. And so from the gene keys approach, there is the gift in a shadow state, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, can you dive into to that?
1: I will do my best on that. So okay. in the gene keys. It's a synthesis of the I Ching and astrology and a few other modern sciences. So the I Ching is one of the oldest texts known to man. It originates from China and it was originally used as an Oracle type of thing. It's still used like that can be very helpful. Um, But in its translation over the years, they found that if you place that chart right over your DNA, it matches up perfectly Um, like the codons and all of that. If you, put it over the Mayan calendar, it matches up, put it over an astrological calendar, it matches up. And so with all of these integrations of technology that different eras, ancient eras have given us up until modern days, you know, with DNA and all that stuff, which I can't really speak to that too well. We found that based on your time and place of birth, we've been given these inherent gifts. If you just think about MBTI or any other personality test, they really like sync up very well to astrology. You know, most INTJs turn out to be cancer astrologically. We found that in Jung's work. He worked with astrology as well. Can't speak mm-hmm. to that too much either, but all this stuff is like it's like religion, you know. We mm-hmm. might have one religion and it tells us, you know, this is the god, these are the saints, this is these are the rules, all that stuff and then you overlay it with Islam or Buddhism and it's like very similar lessons. Mm -hmm. And it just drives. So that's how I like to see all of it. Now, because there is a lifetime of work integrated into the gene keys, you know, like as if there's a lifetime of work integrated into Jungian studies, to master this, you really have to focus on yourself. And I would not venture even close to saying that I'm a master of this. I'm such a student of this because there's so much that you need to learn about yourself and all this. And what we're realizing in this modern time is that people are needing therapy more and more because the way that we're living in this modern construct is fairly artificial. And so talking through some of these problems, is it's like we need to be prescribed this more than we did Likely back in the day when we were living more in a natural state. So I just wanted to throw that out there because if you're feeling like you're going crazy, that's normal. It's just you do need to supplement it with education like this. And um, even beyond education and finding like a licensed therapist, peer to peer support is being real, is really important right now. You know, a lot of people can't. Um, They just aren't jiving with certain things and they need people in their lives to talk to. And so I think that the transformation collective is bringing in a lot of people that are knowing that they need to do the work themselves and also want to work with other people, whether that's happening right now for them and they have active clients, or they just know like in the future, they're going to have people that are coming to them, just looking for advice. And so if we can do this work throughout this year of the transformation collective, it'll be really important to then. Okay. Focus on if I'm working with people who, um, you move into a different month, let's say, Oh, I messed up. (laughs) Uh, February takes us into Aquarius. I I said Pisces, but it takes us into Aquarius and that's about letting your freak flag fly, you know, Mm -hmm. finding your, your individuality and also seeing how that fits into the collective, you know, so it's like keeping hold of what's unique about yourself and also finding the unity in that diversity and appreciating everybody else's diversity. So mm-hmm. with each of these months, there is a grouping of gene keys, uh, which I'll get into in a second that coincide with the energies of each month. So we'll just start with January because that's the easiest. Um, that'll give us a list of five or six shadows that transform into gifts really based on how you're vibing. And we vibe high and low all day long. You know, it's not like you have the spiritual enlightenment and then all of a sudden you're Buddha and you just live in your gift state forever. It's just not like that. It, it's not a productive way to live and even to consider living anyway, because we need those shadow states to show us how to, how to grow and learn. And so um, sometimes we can think about uh, this incorrectly in that shadows and gifts are opposites but they're really not. It's just, it's a vibrational thing. Like hot water and cold water aren't opposites. They just vibrate differently. So if we can realize how we can raise our state, our shadows can turn into our greatest gifts. And that's why, you know, we can talk about Chiron as being the wounded healer. And I think that he's a great archetype for for us and for the work that we do. And just a lot of people on the planet today is turning that mess into a message. Mm -hmm. Like most people who write books, study that thing because they suck at it you know so I studied intuition because I lived a long life of not listening to my intuition I'm not inherently good at it so Mm -hmm. I had to study it and I had to really be disciplined and committed around that practice so that I can continue to you know do the work and I realized now that is my greatest gift
0: yeah so that's that's interesting because I'm like thinking about yeah that's like I think it's pretty synchronistic that I'm doing like somatic work and I'm like <laughs> connected from my body for so long. Mm-hmm. I just want to touch on that really quick. Yeah. It,
1: somatic work is going to be crazy important for the next two years. The, I won't get too into too much of this as I know it's not what we're talking about, <laughs> but the energetics of the world, um, on an even like greater level beyond these sun signs mm-hmm. is the work that, the earth needs to do and it lasts for two years because work takes a while to do right mm-hmm. so we're, we're going to all be feeling into this energy of being connected or disconnected to our bodies we're getting into this north node of taurus again I'm talking mm. about taurus getting grounded even knowing what that means and then creating discipline and learning practices around that though so the somatic work i would love if you could touch on that a little bit
0: well it's interesting because i was thinking about all of the things that you were talking about like all these different perspectives of theories, perspectives, the I Ching, Jinkies, all, all of that just laying on top of each other. James Homan, who is the um, creator of archetypal psychology, he has this theory of growing down. We focus on growing up mm-hmm. and we spend our whole lives trying to be a grown up, and grown ups have a job and grown ups do this. And it was really interesting as you were talking about all these different perspectives and the, the gifts and shadows. I think when we're in that right relationship of that vibrational frequency, we are somewhat growing down. We're, not, we're no longer growing up and out into like persona land. We're growing down and in closer to soul. When we talk about the gene keys, we have these specific
1: shadows. Let's say, uh, laziness is, is a shadow for you. Um, inaction, like you can see the whole problem, but you're in, you even know what to do about it. It's just like, you're incapable of taking that first step. I think talking about January, one of the things that comes up is getting back in tune with your health. That's often a thing. And it's like getting that gym membership. Step one. Putting your clothes on, step two. Getting in the car, step three. Going there, staying there. You know, getting out of the car, <laughs> going in there. Not this feeling that all, it. Jess. Like this feels <laughs> like you've been there before. I can't tell you how many times I've driven to the gym and just went home. But <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, it's like when when you have that and and this exactly like this shadow is very personal to me. Totally, it's my most consistent challenge of seeing the problem, seeing what to do, and just like it, like literally being in an action. Um, and when I'm in that shadow state, there's not too much you can do when you're in that state, except observe it. And and that in itself is a great lesson, right? And just being curious about it, being gentle on yourself and waiting it out. And then once you can start to vibe higher, like you let yourself feel that feeling, um, and try to detach from it. Like, this is not me. I am not laziness. It's not part of my identity. It's just something that, you know, is going on right now. Mm -hmm. And once you can get it in that higher state of, uh, determination that that's what the shadow of laziness turns into laziness isn't the exact word, but can't remember right now. Anyway, it turns into determination. Um, that's when you can start to unparent yourself and reparent yourself. That's when you can start to disintegrate and reintegrate. And that's where the work happens. And that's why we can also see how the lower states and the shadows are really productive because they show us exactly what we need to work on. You know, if we were just in this higher vibration and I would even say that like more of a, a naive mindset like everything's fine, everything's good all the time. We're gonna have our underwear on the outside of our pants still. You know, it's just, it's flatlining. And if you're not growing, um, what are you doing? But the misconception around growing is that it's that linear climb up the hill. And it's really that roller coaster of down and up and down and up. And sometimes that down takes you really far down and just have gratitude for those moments. And to find meaning in the deepest and darkest places is another tool, another concept to really subscribe to if you want to do this work.
0: Yeah. So it's interesting that you say that because what I am presenting in January is based off a lecture by James Hillman, a lecture that he did called uh, Peaks and Valleys. Mm -hmm. And it is the archetypal perspective of that kind of climbing up the mountain and then descending down and then the relationship between the ups and downs. And so that's really great that you (laughs) that in there because I'm like, oh, yes, that's,
1: Yeah, Um, I I like that peaks and valleys concept, uh, not knowing anything about it, but I just pictured a roller coaster. Mm -hmm. So, we go through these seasons in life where that climb up is really slow you know, it's like and it's scary, you know, and you're getting Mm -hmm. the very top, more or less, of your fears and awareness around how things are not aligned. And then spirit just lets you go and you get to ride the wave and just experience the fun and the thrill of, of learning the lessons and integrating it. And then the magic that that brings is pretty cool too. You know, it brings the right people into your life, the right experiences into your life. If you can surrender to that process.
0: I think that that's important that you brought that up too, because as you were talking about that observation stage of like, kind of seeing the manifestation of the shadow side and being with that, This is where I think somatic work is really, really important because to the extent in which you can increase your capacity to hold that uncomfortable experience of being with that shadow energy, that lower vibration. But if you have capacity in your body to hold that, I think that it gives you more psychological flexibility to be able to manifest in the gift state.
1: Oh, totally. Absolutely. From a Gene Keys perspective, um, the tools that they that we like to use are mm-hmm. contemplation, inquiry, gentleness, and patience. So I can go through all of those. If It'll that feels good. That. Okay, great. So let's start with inquiry. Um, so this is not when you're in the deepest, darkest of it. You just got to focus on breathing when you're in some of those places and focus on your sabbatics, focus on being grounded. Um, and I don't want to pass by that right now because that in itself is a huge practice, grounding yourself. One of the visualizations I like is imagining a, a tap root, like a long root going from my body into the ground. And when we hear about grounded and like trying to feel supported. It's even just this visualization around the earth is supporting you. Like you're literally, you're not floating around, you're tethered, there's gravity and just that simple acceptance of I'm standing or I'm laying down. I'm good. The earth Mm -hmm. is supporting me. So I'm, I'm talking more now about these times when you come out of it and you can start asking these introspective questions and inviting the wisdom to come from within you so external education is really important to get some frameworks around this like all the stuff we're talking about right now so there is some external exploration that's needed but it really starts with asking yourself really simple questions you know cultivating a state of calm presence in your situation uh, remaining equanimous meaning like remaining neutral And in human design, there's actually a way of finding out like what your emotional wave is. Um, If you guys are interested in that, you can reach out to Carla Russo on Instagram. She's a friend of mine. She's really great at human design. She can help you find out what that is. But sometimes people will have an outburst of energy and the truth isn't in the now for those people. It's like have that outburst of energy, whether it's excitement or despair, whatever that is for the moment, and then they get back to a place of neutrality very quickly. And there are some people that hold expectations around what life and situation should look like. And they need to ride out that wave of having their expectations, not be met for a certain question, certain situation, and then they can remain at a, get to a place of neutrality. There are some people that get instant insights of intuition. And so for those people, like that's me my truth happens very quickly. And if I overthink something, it's just, it's almost like it's too late, you know? So Mm -hmm. just being aware of like what the instant knowing looks like is important. Um, and then some people like Jen, she has a, um, it's like a, it's called a sacral response, I think, but it is a guttural body reaction to what is, yes, or what is no. So it literally happens right in that gut solar plexus area and it comes up like a, uh uh-huh or uh uh-uh. It's just like listening to your body for that type of person is crucial. So that's all part of the inquiry process. Then we can get into gentleness. So gentleness is nurturing this kind of graciousness approach towards yourself and towards others. And it's encouraging this unwinding and unlearning, this disintegration Unparenting all of that versus the striving and the fixing, you know, we can get into integrating new things, we can get into reparenting ourselves, but there's a lot of things we need to unlearn, and that takes gentleness. Um, because that can be where the shame comes in like, man, I was so committed to this thought or this belief, and I'm not just now realizing that's not right for me at this moment, and to be able to be like, that's okay. I'm gentle on myself. I have a whole life ahead of me to be different. So that's really nice. So
0: I want to stop at gentleness because I think this is where a lot of people kind of get caught up (laughs) Um, because I think our collective consciousness is in a heroic consciousness, heroic type of like conquering, succeeding, slay the dragon of the underworld right? Like that's the goal. So like that unlearning, the shedding is like meeting that kind of raw material. <laughs> I would use that word a lot. Um, <laughs> that raw material. And I think that, is, that does require gentleness and it doesn't necessarily require the hero at, mm. that, at that point. And mm-hmm. so I think for a lot of people that are listening to this, the death of the hero the gentleness in that is probably the hardest thing ever.
1: Mm, totally. I mean, all right. the thing that came up to me when you're talking about that was Harry Potter and that moment where they realized, okay, spoilers, if you haven't watched Harry Potter, <laughs> this is happening, turn it off right now. Um, that moment where Harry realized that Snape was one of the good guys, like this unshedding of everything he believed to be true. And he was like, I mean, after that, if you remember, he was like spiraling. It's like, what is even true anymore? And it's that spiraling and that need to be gentle, you know, and he had people around him and he was in, he was walking his path. So he didn't go too far into the dark side, but yeah, it's like you're naked and it's like, I'm a newborn baby. I'm a brand new iPhone. What apps am I going to install now that aren't going to clutter up my, um, my operating system? Yeah.
0: Beautiful.
1: So After gentleness, what do we got? Patience. Patience is a good one. (laughs) It's a tough one, right? Because we're like, we have this sense of urgency that if we're not constantly um, improving or being productive, that we're going to be left behind. I'm so guilty of this. Uh, You know, you and I have talked about this. One of my shadows is, uh, or like thought forms that has a hold on my life is this concept of time. Right. And like, what is time? Well, okay. That's a whole other thing in itself, but like patience is this realization that you can slow down time. If you're, if you're in alignment, you can warp time. You can go back into timelines and visit that younger version of yourself and see what she needed and give her that compassion or whatever, the love, the understanding and you can slow down time because if you don't go back, going forward is like climbing up that hill with with no equipment. So it's cultivating that compassion, that honesty and curiosity and this inherent trust in, in the process.
0: And so this is interesting too, just kind of weaving more somatic experiencing experiences <laughs> in this. So like when I am working with, clients and when I'm, when I've also done my own somatic experiencing practices, it's really interesting how time kind of folds in on itself. Like Mm. the session, it's like, it's very interesting how you can go in so many different places within one 60 minute session, but like the session time there's so many different eras that you explore and they just kind of like, it feels like these just kind of like waves that just like kind of crash into each other. And it just like kind of dissolves Mm. like the literal way we look at time. So that's really interesting that you say that because then when you come out of a session, if it's resourced adequately, there is kind of an awareness that like, You don't necessarily have to on those Mm -hmm. fight or flight responses immediately, just like really witnessing them before that action happens. So that's the close time. Really, really fascinating.
1: And that takes us really into contemplation, which is the fourth part of this, is taking full responsibility of your inner state and using these everyday challenges for growth and transformation. And so there's a three-part process to. Um, to that principle, there's pausing, pivoting and merging, and it works on the first level of pausing with your intellect. So if you're doing shadow work or you're just like in your everyday life and you have this aha moment, like, Oh, this is, this is this negative pattern that I keep repeating. All you need to do in the system that I work with is just observe it. You don't even need to change it. Like, let's say you have a drinking problem or some kind of addiction uh, you just need to realize this is the moment when I feel like I need a drink and you can still go drink, you know, but it's just like the more insights you have, the longer that pause goes from where you feel like you need that drink to when you actually decide to make that choice. And the pause gets longer and longer. If you can sit with that pause enough times, then you get into pivoting and that's a more of an emotional state. So then you start to realize, I actually don't need that. I'm going to choose something else. And then you start pivoting enough times that it brings you into merging and that's where the physicality of your body comes into play and it really transforms within you. Um, It's your DNA is literally changing. If we look into epigenetics, we see the science of how humans can change. And we can also look at the science of how if you don't change and you don't break those chains, as they say, you pass it on through generations and generations. And that's why this work is so important, not just for yourself, but we all have huge impacts, whether We own businesses or we're a single parent thinking that the only impact that we have is on our one child. Um, Our impact has everything to say about everyone we talk to at the store, you know, all of our kids, friends, everything. So yeah, Just and contemplation is a patient, gentle inquiry process in itself. You can't go from pausing, pivoting, merging all in one day. It's like, this is going to take some time, but Um your hormones work with you when you do that. Like it feels good to realize you're growing and you're changing from that, from that.
0: Yeah, man. So it's, it's really interesting because um, I had a client who the holidays are coming up and with the holidays, you know, comes some inherent stresses for some people. And this client has struggled with eating disorder for about like 15 years. And so really making massive shifts in the, kind of the identity that was wrapped around the person with the eating disorder. And like, so that's starting to kind of dissolve away. And so she's traveling and just feeling all of this anxiety about this, this trip coming up. And we, we did some work and kind of unpacked like what, who, who is anxiety and and how are they showing up? And she came to the next session she was like well I'm anxious about the anxiety because it's a little kid and I don't know how to parent a little kid Mm. and I told her I was like well why don't you text me if this little kid shows up and it felt like it it is a space for her to like pause instead of identifying and being kind of possessed and consumed by the anxiety and by Mm. this little kid within and like at least disrupting a little bit and having awareness of like, oh, I can at least reach out and tell somebody that I'm feeling anxious when I'm feeling anxious. I don't have to hold it in my body. And so we like, Mm. she did last night and um, we like chatted through it. And I was like asking questions for this inner child. And it was so, so helpful because it It really allowed her to see that there are solutions in that moment.
1: Oh, absolutely. It's so imperative to have somebody that you trust to help you with this process. And I think that's another challenge for a lot of people right now is you might have people in your life that are loyal, but to really trust people with the, the unconscious material that's coming up for you that you don't understand can be a whole different ball game. That's why I'm I'm going to start to get big on peer to peer support and helping people um understand how to ask better questions and how to listen and hold space in a way that's really helpful. Um because I mean, you bring this up to your husband, let's just say. You guys are so close, you know, it can start to be about him or her, mm-hmm. you know. And um I mean, it's funny because just simply by being human, you would think that we have the tools necessary to be able to listen and hold space. But yeah, I think if you can find that friend or a community um, like ours where you can just put that stuff out there and know that there's no advice going to be coming back at you unless you want it, you know, just like the real skill of listening and holding space is so important.
0: Yeah. So this, this transformation collective, the reason why we created it in this way was specifically to really shift from that horse-like heroic achievement, check the boxes, do the things, into just create an environment of of like-minded people who mm. are are wanting to connect, wanting to ask the questions, wanting to inquire, wanting a space that is gentle and patient. There's no rush to like get assignments done or show up in a certain way. And I think that there's just inherent healing in that type of framework, regardless of what it is.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of magic around that. Like you had said, creating the space, like that in itself is something that um, I myself never even considered before really diving into how this stuff works. Um, So I would sit down and journal and I'd have my phone out and I'd be like getting to a point where I just like check my phone, or I would be contemplating my, my life's greatest problems in a place like out loud, sort of irresponsibly, and not creating the sacred nest, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, our community, even though it's virtual, it still has that energetics of like it being a safe place. And I think if we were to bring that into somebody's real world or like the physical world, when you do this work, make it sacred, set, put your phone into another room because that impulse to pick up your phone or whatever is distracting for you, or like, oh, I just, a task came into mind that I need to deal with. And I need to answer this email that I've answered in a couple days. That is your ego trying to be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, let's not go there. Like there's all these other things that are easier to deal with that could give you that endorphin rush, that sense of completion, because knowing that this work is it's deep, you know, we have all these coping mechanisms that can pop up. Another thing that came to mind while you are talking was the universe will test you. So if you think about it, like, like the movies or a video game, you gain all these skills and, you know, I'm oh, I'm being gentle, I'm contemplating, I'm having these insights, I'm now my, my merging body is starting to transform. You're going to, and I don't know why it works this way, have these things that present themselves as if they're saying are you sure? Okay. You know? <laughs> I think a, a really common but big example is you're like ready to change your job you're in a toxic toxic work environment that's not suiting your your new state of consciousness this next version of you and then you get like a promotion or something and it's just like this little carrot that's like are you sure you want to leave, you know? And I think it's important too, because sometimes we can see that as signs like, oh, maybe I'm making the wrong decision. And that's where tuning into your intuition and tuning into your body is so critical
0: and like trusting yourself. Well, I think it's really important as I'm listening to you talk, you know, like those things that pop up, that's like, oh, don't want to go there, right? Or that risk is too dangerous. I think that there is something really profound in surrounding yourself with individuals who go there. Oh, mm-hmm. who have gone there, That like mentor type of um, individual, where it's not a hierarchy, right? Like they don't mm-hmm. They're not this like all-knowing guru. But there is something about this individual where it's like, well, they've been there. So the fear that would make us run in the opposite direction or make us paralyzed right where we're at, there can it can stir up some dynamism in that in that space. And it's kind of more invitational rather mm-hmm. than like it's not. It's definitely not like military boot camp. Like you suck if you can't come here too kill your
1: inner bitch oh my gosh so dumb um (laughs) yeah fucking david goggins i'm sorry i'm like some of that stuff just really bugs me because i bought into it for a long time i think that's why it bugs me so much (laughs) shadow acknowledged yes shadow acknowledged thank you universe for bringing those lessons Uh, yeah and like you were mentioning a really humble mentor that you know is still doing their work. Because if you come across a a guru type or a teacher type, that's like never putting any of their vulnerability out there. And that's not to say on social media, like whatever. um, But more like when you're talking to them and you're vetting out if this person's going to be a good ally in your life, you can sense humility. You know, you can sense this person is doing their own work and that they don't claim to know any, everything Um, they just might be a couple of steps ahead on the path. And when you think of a Sherpa taking you up a mountain, like that's all you need, you know, you don't need somebody at the, all the way at the top radio in radioing in on like what to do. You want somebody that's like actively walking the path with you. Um, I was going to say something else, but I lost it. Humility. Yeah. I'll leave it at that for now. I think it'll come back to me. (laughs)
0: So, where do we want to go with this? Is there anything, you, you mentioned maintenance is a part of the Gene hmm. process. Do you want to speak to maintenance a little bit?
1: Yeah, so we had touched a bit on education. Um, so I'll use this example of tarot cards. Um, a really good way of using tarot cards is to just put down the card and not look in the book and just see what the imagery evokes in you. And if you pick up the book, it could be completely different. That's why, you know, it acts as a guide, but it's external information coming into you that may or may not resonate in the way that that author wrote it. Right. Right. So it's working with, it's like a Rorschach test, I guess, you know, just see what you want to see. But the more education you can get around symbolism and themes and different eras in history and psychology and philosophy and all that fun stuff, wherever it takes you is really helpful because the more limited your perspective is, the more limited, uh, the less clear these messages will be. So um, let's say that you are, if you're in a, a military kind of realm and that's all the information that you know, because we work with some vets and first responders, the messages that will come in will show themselves as in that framework of how the military works. Mm -hmm. Another example is if you are a Christian and you've wrapped um, all of your knowledge and you haven't explored too much out of it into the Bible, the messages that come out will be very biblical, right? Mm -hmm. And it'll show you imagery from that specifically. But if you can expand your education outwards, you know, go into music, go into cooking, go into gardening, go into technology, whatever your heart desires. That's where the real cool stuff happens. Like this creativity of being able to merge ideas and concepts. Mm -hmm. Um, and so with tarot, then you can like read those messages more accurately for yourself because you have access to other, other concepts that have been created by people. Right. So, um, but don't take that tarot as like very literally, like That is a good lesson with tarot, but that's with any problem in your life, like looking at a situation and then being able to access all this information from different places and to use it creatively with your mind, because that's the difference between intellect and intelligence. Intellect is being able to creatively play with concepts. That's what your mind is for. Play around with information, gather information, and then your intuition is what we use to actually make those decisions. Um, So yeah, education and expanding your... um, expanding your perspectives is really important in this. The other big thing is ABC always be coding. So the words that you use outwardly or in your journal or the things that you say to yourself will create your reality. So if you say, um, I'm feeling really, I'm going to feel so weird about this. I'm going to be really shaken up about this. If, if this thing happens, well, you're casting a spell, like you're, you're already visualizing yourself being shaken up after this thing happens. So if we use this concept of always coding, okay, how do I want to feel about this? What are some other options? If this thing happens, I want to feel peaceful. If this thing happens, I want to feel okay with it. If this thing happens. And that's part of that art of adversity. Um, in, in working with Jeff, my husband, who came from the SF, like your fiance, Rick, you know, part of their training is to visualize when tough things happen, how are you going to react afterwards? And that's priceless information Mm -hmm. there. You know, like how is it that some of these people, some of these soldiers can go into battle and see some horrendous things and come back still. Okay. Like we hear about PTSD often, but there are a few that have gone through that process of being like, I'm going to imagine the worst case scenario and also imagine myself being okay at the end of it you know, Mm -hmm. and holding no expectations, but just putting that out there, right? If you say, I can't go home and um, I can't go home and quit my job, then you're not going to be able to, right? Mm -hmm. You're you're like solidifying all these things. And I think Jen probably talked about that in the podcast that you did with her. She's our real language expert around this stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, The term abracadabra literally means with my words, I create. You know, it's, we're casting spells. That's where that originated. And it's wow. turned into this whole Aladdin
0: thing, but it, it's real, you know? Yeah. So it's interesting to me because I found that with an archetypal perspective, it really, whatever words do come out, I don't think that they are just coincidence. Mm. I think that there is deep meaning in what is being said, even if it's not adequately communicating exactly what the experience is I think that you know I can't go home and quit my job right so if you meet that exactly where it's at so there is an archetype that's influencing you that cannot go home and quit the job mm. who is that oh, I love that like, Yeah. Like who is showing up here? Right. And that, that I think that is the way like Jen and I talked a little bit about using imagination with language and image and language to kind of help navigate that, that space. And it's like, when, when you can meet what is coming up, I think it does automatically kind of change what the result is mm-hmm. I mean there's there's definitely like an active participation right because of there's there's an archetype that is feels like it, it can't and then there's an archetype that feels like it can and then there's this kind of dialogue this drama that's playing out in in the psyche between those those different experiences and I think that when we can have the capacity to kind of witness and perhaps, you know, ha- just make a few like comments about the drama that's unfolding internally. <laughs> I think that's when you get kind of that, like that secret sauce.
1: Yeah. That, that insight, right? That yes. pause. Inside. Yes. Totally. Um, another one that comes up for me is like, we often tell our kids or our partners, I need to, I need to work right now, you know? And that seems like a, such a normal thing to say. I say it too, Um, but what's more accurate, like just imagine all the times that your parents have said that to you, like I need to go to work, you need to go to school, you need, need, need. Um, It has this like negative forceful, like somebody is demanding that you do this. And if you can just change that word a little bit to, I'm choosing nowhere to work, to go to work right now. You know, it reflects to your kids and your partner that you have some ownership over your state, you know? And that like, it's also this ownership that's, I'm going to do something that you might not really like right now, but I'm choosing this, you know? And so if you we were to talk about, I can't go home to quit my job. I, I don't want to quit my job. You don't have to change it to, I do want to quit my job, but having that ownership around, I don't want to, you know, and starting from that place mm-hmm. instead of that hard
0: line of, I can't. So I'm going to veer off track here, but yay, <laughs> <laughs> play with me. All right. I think that these different limiting beliefs, thoughts, narratives, whatever they are. I think that they're somewhat influenced by the monotheistic worldview that has been passed down for generations. Because, you know, I need to go to work right now. I can't go home and quit my job. Who is saying (laughs) <laughs> like right? who is saying that? And if you really, the most people that I ask about th- thoughts like this or like ex- inner experiences uh, like this, it's some type of like single judge, critic being that is just like ruling at the top of the psyche. Mm-hmm. And it's really interesting because archetypal psychology takes this approach where there's a different, like each, it's like a psychic democracy, meaning mm. every archetype has a say at the table. And then that contributes. So the monotheism doesn't necessarily disappear. The, the monotheistic archetype is wholeness, is completion, is integration. And then the polytheism is all the different parts that make up the whole And so they don't have to exist separately. And I think when you were talking about that, it just activated. I'm like, oh, I think it's like partly this God image that has been um, down through thousands of years. And I think that that influences the unconscious psyche of many people, leaving them very disempowered.
1: Oh, that's so good. God is love. That's it. It's just love. And everything else we bring into that is it it, it muddies up the
0: windshield, right? Like okay, I'm going to call you on that. Yeah. <laughs> Do you believe that there is a shadow side to love? Um yes.
1: Okay. Yeah. Is fear, that God too? Fear yes. Yes. But that's the tool. Okay. I'm going to get into realms that I'm not like, I haven't thought about before.
0: Fear is a tool
1: that God or source uses to help us like bumper our, our bowling alley. Yes. Yes. So, um, one of the things that came to me is like involution and evolution. Evolution is this human, uh, need or desire to grow and evolve right? It's like, we're all doing it in our own way. We're doing it collectively. Uh, We've evolved through the ages to become homo sapiens from whatever we were before. Involution is from spirit. So like there's this concept of free will, but sometimes you're doing this work and it's like, I know I can make my own choices, but in a way, like I'm talking about when we're vibing really high and we're really aligned. It's like, there seems like there's no other choice, but to follow this path of goodness and alignment. So I can veer off and explore all these other things that aren't good for me and all that stuff, free will, but it's like this path of resistance. And so there's this path of least resistance that, that involution that's like spiritually aligning us. It's a complicated conversation. Richard Rudd really laid it out well in the last podcast that I did of them, this thought of um, free will and how, yes, it exists for us on a human plane, but there is something bringing us back to center that we can't ignore also.
0: Yeah, I I think that from my perspective, I term that the, the daemon, like the inner daemon. And when the shadow side of that becomes demonic. And so instead of daemonic, it becomes demonic. And I think mm. that being in right relationship to that kind of guiding force, I think that that's... The best we can do,
1: even if we go back biblical on this, God created the devil. You know, it came from that. Oh man, I have so goodness. many thoughts on that. <laughs> yeah, what well, comes up around that?
0: Well, uh, I kind of go to um, to the work of Donald Calshed. He wrote a book called Trauma in the Soul, and it's such an amazing book. Um, it's influenced me incredibly, and. He has this concept of, of trauma being associated with the archetypal Dis, this, and Dis this, um, represents. He uses the story of um, Dante's Inferno, but he he's basically saying that like Dis is the devil, but Dis is um, a fallen angel. So the fallen angel is the version of god that doesn't want to be in the body Mm. so dissociation disintegration dis-ease all these different elements of that um Mm. (laughs) um, all these different things that i think it's like it's the right impulse um, playing out in a way that might not be helpful for the whole of the psyche in this embodied experience yeah. And there's something about being human
1: that we need the dis,
0: right? right. Like
1: going biblical again, <laughs> think about Judas and Pontius Pilate. Like we've deemed them as these evil characters, you know, that killed Jesus and like this symbol of goodness and, and wholeness. But if Jesus didn't die on that cross, you know, would we be talking about him? You know, like right. it, there's so much in being someone's bad day, that is very complicated. Um, So again, that brings us back to gentleness. Like you're going to realize that you were a lot of people's bad day and that that's okay. There's perfection in everything, but now we have a choice to walk that, um, what the Lakota call the red road, you know, it's, it's a road less traveled. It's bumpy. It sucks to be
0: on sometimes, but it's, you never regret it. So this brings up, um, some of my diamond experience because, um, there was some diss in there. There was some like, demonic, uh, devilish devouring dark energy, but it was mm. completely necessary for the totality of what that experience was communicating mm. or offering or initiating or catalyzing in my particular life. Um, And and it's interesting because that integration process was so tough, Mm -hmm. really trying to find the perspective of where this darkness, how it contributes to the totality of it all, finding meaning in that that darkness. I think this is where shadow work can be really, really helpful in that.
1: Mm-hmm. So that
0: just came up for me.
1: I'm gonna get weird, weirder now, and <laughs> talk about ghosts. Okay, so I've been listening to a lot of ghost stories for some reason, and I just realized like I'm I'm at a point now where I can't question why I do certain things; just follow the yellow brick road or whatever, <laughs> follow the white rabbit, and. um And learning more about, about ghosts. Okay. So the, the theory is that if people have a a very, like if they have unfinished business, like they haven't gone through this unconscious material and it's really like there, Mm -hmm. um, they may get stuck in this 4d realm of confusion and stuff. It's like limbo you know, and it's not hell. It's just like, I don't know where to go from here. And then there are these people on this planet that have a gift or a curse, who knows, um, to be able to communicate with these energies. Right. And in just listening to this podcast, it wasn't a spiritual podcast. It was just straight up ghost stories told by regular people from like an Ohio and New York and stuff that were just telling their experience. The only ones that had resolved this issue of this entity in their home or whatever it was, or that was attached to them was sending it love and sending it compassion and sending it forgiveness. And it was like, and then they would just like disappear and they would go someplace else. So anyway, where I'm going with all this is this work that we're doing. When I say we, I'm talking about like everybody listening, you know, if you are attracted to listen to something like this, We have to do this work because we're dealing with like this overpopulation of the planet. And if you consider how many people are not dealing with their shit and potentially getting stuck in this spiritual limbo, whether you subscribe to that or not, we can consider like even just not living a fulfilling life on our deathbeds, you know, like what that means for generations, just based on your DNA, not even talking about spirituality or afterlife. Um, If these energies are still stuck on the planet, like, and we have this overpopulation, we also have this overpopulation of spiritual energy that hasn't been completed. And I think that's why we're feeling a lot of things that might not be our own. Um, Just feeling a lot of that dissonance right now, not knowing where it's coming from. And we don't need to dive into, okay, are there ghosts in my house or anything like that? But this work is so important because breaking those chains and sending ourselves to the light, sending our, the people that we know to the light and just being that beacon of, mm-hmm. of bravery and courage um, is really important. So um, we were talking about mentors, right? Uh, the humble mentor doing the work um, and courage. So sometimes courage is doing the thing that is safest for you and most in alignment with where you need to be. Sometimes courage isn't doing the thing that really freaks you out. So um, an example would be you were going to come down to hold space for the ceremony Mm -hmm. and you were like, honestly, I'm just in this place where my soul is telling me I need to integrate further into this thing and being confronted with other um, energy that's needing to come out in that way just wouldn't be right for me. And it was perfect, you know, like you and I have that relationship where it's like, it's not like, oh, but you said you were going to come down here and help and stuff. It's like, that feels so good to hear somebody else's truth. And also there's, there's courage in that safety that you were, you were housing Mm -hmm. there. Another example, from a personal perspective, I was having that issue with time, you know, coming off of that long trip, we were going to do this project and to be able to go to you and Jen and say, I just need a month you know, even though we had all these things planned and stuff, it felt really good to have mentors and you guys to remind me that my courage was in my own well-being, instead right. of the courage being just push through it, kill your inner bitch, all that. Right. So that was a really, really nice lesson um, and validation in courage and not finding the right word. It's not courage and safety, but like courage and doing the thing that is most aligned for you.
0: Yeah. Thank you for saying that. Just like that, that feels really good to have when you're supported in that. I mean, I think it is. <laughs> what? I'm, laughing. I'm laughing because Rick was saying how you guys were talking about how like I just do shit. and like, like I was like, well, I'll be me and let the world adjust. <laughs> he's like, yeah. no, he's like, we were talking about it in in a really positive way. But there's some it's it's really nice to to hear that and be supported in that because most of us, I don't from my perspective, that would be called selfish. Mm. You know, you have like mentors, community, people around you that understand and can hold space for what the truth of your experience is. It's like I'm not like trying to have dreams that are indicating that I shouldn't be doing this I'm not trying to have these inner experiences that are telling me truths. It just is. Mm. And so to have people that can hold space for that is top notch.
1: Yes. If it's for your higher good, it's for everyone's higher good. You know, if you're really tuning into what's right for you, then it's going to be right for everybody else. Whether they like it or not is sometimes their issue, you know? Right. That's where those boundaries come into play. Like you're, you're an uncompromising human and it's really amazing. It's like truly inspirational. And I think that one of the confusing parts of that is that we've been nurtured to believe that we're like just these humans. We're just these walking meat sacks. And if you choose something for yourself that isn't like nice for other people or accommodating or conscientious for something that. It's like, but I need to like protect myself and everybody else just needs to deal with it. Like that's a really human way of thinking about it but it's really like by preserving myself I can be a much better human than you've ever recognized. And that again is, I mean you can speak to the ego much better than I can but it's like that it's trying to keep you the same because everything's not that bad right now, you know and the thought that things on the other side of it can be so much better, we just can't imagine it is a lesson in trust and surrender. Just trust yourself.
0: Yeah. Well, okay. Jess. Anything else that we want to, we want to pull threads on? We went down into the depths a little bit. Went into yeah, some I mean, religions. Talked about the ghosts, the yeah. Bible, <laughs> <laughs> astrology, the devil. <laughs>
1: um, hmm. How about we leave it off with, a simple somatic tool to ground yourself because I'm feeling like grounding is really needed right now in the Scorpio season where we can really be like swimming around with some weird stuff.
0: So I think personally, and I mean this is kind of like somatic experiencing 101, is really understanding your orienting response and like mm-hmm. how to utilize orientation and and really. Take that as a useful resource because when we are traumatized or we're affected by trauma or there's trauma around us, we get into what's called the defensive orienting response. And so the DOR. And so basically, we're constantly looking over our shoulder and we're like, "Is is trauma there? Is trauma there? Is trauma there? Is trauma there? We're constantly looking for the trauma. And so In SE work, it's really important to establish some time and space to let your eyes wander or let your senses wander and notice like where you are, where are you settling on? So like a lot of times when I'm doing SE work with, um, when I'm receiving SE work, I'll notice as I'm kind of like starting this session, I'll notice that my eyes will wander out my window to like trees. Mm. Like that kind of like nature grounded rootedness. And so, you know, sometimes people, you'll notice people that have trauma or have been affected by trauma, their orienting response will take them to like you know, a mess in the corner of the room Mm. or, you know, something really negative, like, oh, my dog's sick. And I just like, I can't take my eyes off him or, you know, I need to clean this. And so inviting them to continue to explore until they settle into a safe place, right? Like, so looking around my office and noticing all of the greenery that I have in my office and like how that feels so soothing to me and my nervous system and how incredibly grateful I am to have an office that I can put this stuff in. Like, and just like taking time to just be with that, Mm. feel into that feeling of just being surrounded in a safe, comfortable environment So like really taking time and space to orient because also with people who struggle with like panic attacks or, you know, just generalized anxiety, you know, I think a lot of people are dealing with that now, you know, the fear is that I'm going to be consumed by this panic or this anxiety, right? And so it's basically taking you out of the present moment and you're orienting to things that are going to trigger the panic and the anxiety. And so finding that, like, how did you know that you were going to be okay? Have you ever had panic or anxiety kind of spiral? At what point did you know that everything was going to be okay? Mm -hmm. Tell me more about that. Tap into that place and create a massive resource well so Mm -hmm. that like you have a balance From dipping into that traumatized place. Um, So that to me is, is really the most grounding thing we can do is to be in the present here and now and start to shift that defensive orienting response to one that um, allows for more safety to enter the system.
1: Man, that's so practical. Uh, with this Taurus moon that we're in right now. And then with this big old collective Taurus season, we're going into the environment again is so crucial. So, you know, redecorating your house seems like such a materialistic thing to talk about, but really like get rid of all the shit that stresses you out. You know, if you have a big whiteboard in your office that like every time you look at it, it's, it just sucks. Get it out of your eyeline, right? Like right. create a nice space for yourself and for your family. Um, people really, um, don't take into account how important the environment is in their evolution. Gosh. And I think that's why a lot of people have awakening and they just like want to move, you know, you right. can start small, make micro movements, just make your, the space that you're in really nice and calming. And that could be a big thing. Um, another Every thing that Christmas early. earlier. Oh yeah. I know your tree is going to, do you get like multiple trees? Yeah. <laughs>
0: You switch about halfway through the month because <laughs> hashtag Taurus <tourist mood.
1: laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Um You were talking about like l- where your eyes go, expanding your eyesight. So this is something that Jeff talks about a lot in his work. Uh, we look at our phones a lot. We look at screens a lot and having that narrow focus is not natural. Like if we go back to how humans lived more naturally, we might be working on something and focusing narrowly. We're always looking up every once in a while to see what the weather's like, see if we're safe, you know, where are the kids at what's going on? And then we get back to it. And so just another practical tool is opening up your eye line. Like one of the most anxiety, um, sparking things is like being in our four walls. You know, we are in a box, there's a roof over us. You feel like trapped just getting outside and seeing how expansive the stars are and like how, how small we are and how, how far we can actually go metaphorically is
0: also really helpful. Yeah. I love that. I think that that's it's part of that orienting response. I think just, mm. just using the body's wisdom to like settle in,
1: settle yeah. in here. Um, huh. another thing that came up is like a new way of stretching. She would also know more about this than I do. Back when I was at On it, they had some really next level like physical strategy humans there. It was so amazing. And we'd be stretching and doing our mobility. and um, John Wolf would say, like, look around the room as you're stretching because often when we're in fitness mode, we know we're like focusing, like we're lifting and we're like focusing in one place. Right. Um, but when we're doing mobility, it's like find safety and like stretching your arm back and like looking up, looking around so that our safety isn't just what's in front of us. It's more expansive. I don't know the science around that, but I did find that interesting.
0: Yeah. Well, I think it, I think it does boil down to finding safety in that present moment, wherever you're at, whether you're at the end range of a stretch or you, you know, you're just sitting in your office trying to ground yourself. Like finding safety in that present moment. And, you know, to kind of wrap this up, that's really, I think what we're after in the transformation collective is finding safety in community, in exploring things that are semi-uncomfortable and then creating capacity to expand into that uncomfortable space. But like, having fun with it being creative with it mm-hmm. being dynamic with it so it doesn't have to look a certain way and so I'm really really excited to collaborate and to to just share this space with you and Jen and all of the people in the community because I think, I think that there's a desire for this type of stuff so if you like this podcast and the threads we pulled then you might want to check it out
1: yeah, come into our neighborhood. Doors are open. January
0: 2022 is when we kick off, and uh, it'll be a really fun year. Yeah, super excited. Jess, where can people find you if they want to explore more of your work? I mean, this is going to be on both of our podcasts, so you know, yeah. Let 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 your people and my people know <laughs> what you're up to.
1: Cool. Okay, so you can find my podcast Shadow Work Library, where I go through all of the gene keys, their shadow states, and the gift states, and some ways to get into those gift states. At uh, shadowworklibrary.com, or you can just search for Shadow Work Library wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also find me on Instagram at Jessica DePazzi underscore. That's D E P A T I E, and you can find the Transformation Collective at transformationcollective.org. I will
0: put all of that in the show notes for you guys. Jessica, thank you for just sharing your nuggets of wisdom. I think this was so great. Mm-hmm. And it was so, so different than the first one that we recorded. Mm-hmm. Different types of perspectives of similar material. Yeah, we got
1: to explore it all. Otherwise, it just doesn't really make sense. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> Love it. All right, all right thanks, Steve.